You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 111. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we are talking about agile transformation myths. As PMO leaders, we are often caught up in the hot trend of agile methods and agile transformations. Well, in today's episode, we're joined by agile transformation author and expert and dear friend of mine, Jesse Fuel. He's joined us in the past to talk about this topic, given his deep history with both the project management side of things and agile communities. Now, this time, we're going to drill down into the myths we hear about how to create agility in project organizations. Now, if you've been told either to drive or support an agile transformation, this episode will help you speak more intelligently than those overpriced consultants coming in trying to make all the magic happen. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by Planisware. Planisware is a global provider of SaaS solutions that break the boundaries of traditional project management by connecting people, strategy, finance, application, and products. With over 20 years of experience, Planisware helps organizations take plans from vision to reality and make an impact. Learn more at planisware.com. That's planisware.com. Okay, let's dive in. With me today is my pal, Jesse Fuel. Jesse has coached or trained thousands of technology professionals across 14 countries to improve their teams and companies using agile, safe, lean, and digital methods. A core contributor to multiple project management standards, he's co-authored nearly a dozen books on management and agility, including his most recent work, which I was fortunate enough to see an early version of, Untapped Agility, Seven Leadership Moves to Transform Your Transformation. If you have not checked out his book, I highly recommend it. Jesse, thank you so much for being here today, being back on the PMO Strategies podcast. What's up, people? It's time to get into it. (laughs) It's always a lot of fun. Now, Jesse has, bless his heart, said yes to like all of my crazy ideas, (laughs) which I really appreciate. And Jesse, if you haven't listened to Andy Jordan's podcast we did recently, you should definitely listen to it because what he said is the reason he keeps coming back to the PMO Impact Summit. Can you guess? Tell me. (laughs) He said, because he's scared of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me offer a counter, Laura. The event is just a magnet for awesome. So like, I know Barbara Troutline is hosting a workshop. I'm hosting a workshop this year and she's hosting a workshop and you better schedule it so that we can attend each other's. That's all I'm going to say. Because I'm looking for a whole lot of of awesomeness and energy from the speakers uh, that you build into the program. And so it's just, it's always a treat. No, I'm not afraid. I'm excited. Ha ha. Exactly. (laughs) Even better. (laughs) Well, and so for all of you impact drivers listening, Jesse is one of the guys that says, uh, guys and gals that say yes to my crazy ideas. Like years ago when we first met and we started this thing called the PMO Impact Summit. So yes, Jesse has been back as a regular because he's one of the people that helped me figure out how to do this thing in the first place. 
And we'll get into a little bit about his workshop today, just to give you a sneak peek as to what's coming. But first, I want to dive into this topic, Jesse, that we really need to talk about, I think is huge, around the myths surrounding agile transformation. Everybody's talking big game, aren't they? Oh, they are. They are. And I think it's interesting because the data now coming out, now that we've been doing these big agile transformations for a while, is a little bit different than what we were expecting. Oh, okay. You just like, the so ladies and gentlemen, that was not part of the script of and already not. I'm animated. <laughs> so if you are interested in what's going on in the technology industry in particular, I know that many of you listening in are various industries out there, but if you either are in IT as part of uh, a larger company or are in the tech industry or you're maybe in another industry and you have to deal with IT, you want to check out the State of DevOps Report. The State of DevOps Report comes out every year. And I believe it was the 2020 edition last year that revealed a whole lot of myths as to how you're supposed to go about transformation. And the research is saying that, for example, Big Bang transformation is not correlated with the highest performing technology organizations. Yep. And imagine that, imagine throwing all your eggs in one basket doesn't necessarily yield the best results. You said it, you said the research and man, that was one of the things that that I was looking at when we did the book two years ago. And you're right. The data disrupts the dogma. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Absolutely. So let's dive in. You've said recently that the conventional wisdom about transformation, especially agile transformation, is all wrong. And I agree with you completely. And I'm known for being pretty provocative, but this is a pretty provocative thing for you to say here. Can you first tell us what the conventional wisdom is? Well, so the conventional wisdom, the way that I like to tell a story that kind of captures a number of presuppositions and expectations. So one of them is, let's say that I'm a PMO leader or I'm a center of excellence leader, and I've been told that I need to do this. So immediately my reaction is to go get all the knowledge, right? quick, read all the books, maybe even get certified, two to three certifications, so that now I have all the credibility to explain to everybody what this agile thing is, what the new organization should look like. And and I'm going to explain why the current situation is all wrong and why this new thing that I just got certified in and you're not (laughs) is so much better. (laughs) Then people will say, hmm, yeah, that's a really good point, but we just can't move forward without permission from the big boss. And so then you're like, okay, fine. I'm going to go big. I'm going to score that 15 minute slot at the next senior leadership meeting. And I'm going to do my big presentation. Why we got to go big with this transformation using these best practices and we're going to go all in. And that CTO or CIO, she sees the logic of your methodology and then says, this is brilliant, Jesse. I'm so glad that we have someone that knows everything and has brought it to my attention. I hereby mandate everyone to do this. And we're all going to be agile by the end of next year. And then everybody says, yes, ma'am, absolutely. We're going to do it. And it all just happens. Everything works. The company's fixed and you earn a promotion. That's what we expect. We haven't put words to it, but that's what it, except here's the problem. That never happens. Right. What happens instead is nobody agrees that there's a need for any change. The big boss doesn't get it and says, thank you so much for your time. And now you've blown your credibility. Meanwhile, your boss is embarrassed because you just threw all of your eggs into this one basket or you put all your chips on the table and now you become a lame duck and people are snickering about, 
There's Jesse, the agile idiot. Now you have to go look for another job or even worse, you're smarter than that. You're smart enough to avoid blowing all your credibility. And so you just quietly suffer through all of the pushback and all of the, the changing of direction. And you watch quietly as the transformation falls apart right in front of you, along with your mandate and your credibility and even your PMO. So that's usually how the story plays out in spite of all of the unspoken expectations and presuppositions about how you're supposed to run a transformation. Right. I feel for a lot of PMO leaders in this position where they've maybe traditionally been thought of as the waterfall organization, right? The PMO traditionally being thought tied to a particular methodology. So here they are, PMO leaders and PMO teams trying to pivot and become more flexible, nimble, and agile by embracing agile methodology and so in doing so, they have their hearts are in the right place. They're trying to do the right things. They want to be a part of continuing to be and even becoming more relevant to their organization. So they say, okay, agile is where I need to go. All this buzz about agile is the way to go. So I'm going to lead that charge, right? But the reality, just like the data suggests that we talked about, and just like our personal experiences will tell us, we're still doing this big bang approach, Right. And Big Bang approach doesn't work very well because there is a huge lift from a change management perspective. And it's really hard to do when you're doing it with just poof. Okay, now we're all going to be agile. But this would be the same thing if we were poof with any other big change, right? So this isn't just with agile, but I think this gets to an underlying theme that Big Bang change is really hard to do, hard to bring people through. And it supposes that we should have this one size fits all approach, right? And it assumes that one size fits all is the way to go. So poof, we're all going to be agile. Yay. And then the reality is that that really wasn't the right answer for everything every time. And so I feel for those that are doing their best to stay relevant in their organizations and they maybe were on the right track, but all too often, we, these big bang change initiatives just don't work, regardless of what the change is, right? So this sounds super familiar with a lot of times students that'll come to me are in this position and they say, I don't know what to do. They're exasperated. They're just yeah, frustrated. So let me jump in real quick and remind your listeners, if, if you haven't checked it out yet, go back and check out episode 39 of the PML podcast, where the title is, Yes, the PMO can drive an agile transformation, where Laura and I talk at exactly this about overcoming the negative brand that a PMO has. So that's one hurdle. One hurdle is uh, perception. Right. And and we've got an entire podcast around that in episode 39. And and that was a fun conversation. What we want to talk about today, I think, is about the approach. Right. So one is perception, the other is the approach. And yeah, so the first thing that we've learned with the data of the research that we've highlighted so far and with other things, big bang does not work for all the reasons you just said. What does work then? Well, so here's the first step. Stop explaining, start listening. And one of the things you're going to discover is that everybody has different motivators. So the senior leader who said, yeah, we got to do this agile thing. You can say, well, I'm so glad you said that because I uh, anticipated this and I got certified. Let me explain to you what you just asked for. Buzzword, buzzword, practice, framework, methodology. I'm so smart. 
Eyes glazing no. over. Nobody knows. <laughs> no, what no, you're no, no, no. When the about. senior leader comes, you want to ask him why. Right. What are the, here's Laura's word, outcomes <laughs> we are looking for? Is it more productivity? Is it more predictability? Is it more visibility in the organization? Uh, what does success look like? And we need to be more efficient. Okay. When you say efficient, does that mean layoffs? No, 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 no. That's not what I mean by it. Well, usually when economists are looking for efficiency, when economists are talking about productivity, they're talking about man hours. So does success mean overtime? No, no, that's not at all what I'm going for. Oh, okay. So a lot of the times the successful change leaders probe. Yes. When you say, I want X, there's really X prime underneath or X not underneath. of it. So stop explaining well, it's going to be this and this and this and start asking, what are those outcomes? Because surprise, surprise, an agile methodology that optimizes for speed is not the same as an agile methodology that optimizes for predictability. Right. If you want predictability, well, I'm going to under commit and over deliver on dates. Right. But if you want speed, well, dates are going to be very <laughs> flexible because we're going to go fast. And if we go fast, we're going to like, we're going to hit or miss a few times. So right. stop explaining, start listening, and then design the change around what are the true intents? Oh, that is so good. So good. So let's make this real for people that are listening here. Our impact drivers are like, yeah, this is great, but how does this apply to me? Do you have any examples or case studies that you can share that would help kind of solidify this for those listening? A couple of examples. Yes. So Gretchen mm -hmm. is someone I worked with years ago and she went to one of our agile workshops and got all excited about the methodology and the framework. And she had just started a new job as a PMO leader at a medical device company. And she's featured in the book Untapped Agility. And the story goes like this. Her boss, the head of the product unit said, yeah, I need you to start a PMO and fix the organization. <laughs> Here's some of the problems I see. A, B, C, D. And so she hears that and she's thinking, that sounds like a lot of stuff that Agile is designed to fix, like a long plan that doesn't yield results, or we're planning everything before we're doing anything, or we're not delivering fast enough, or whatever those issues were. So she leverages her authority as the new head of a new PMO and drags 100 people in the technology organization, that's the industry that she was in, and uh, drags 100 people into Agile training and says, we're doing this. You must now use this methodology because I'm the PMO leader and I know best what processes to use. And imagine that all the middle managers were like, mm, no, thank you. Oh, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's nice. Oh yeah. We went to your training. Thank you for the certification out of your budget, by the way. It was nice. Now I'm certified and my resume looks better at your budget's expense, but I don't think that we need this. Right. And so apparently the middle managers never got the memo from the boss right. that change was needed. Number one. Number two, when she started talking to the managers, they had different pain points. Mm -hmm. And then we start talking to individual contributors on those teams. They had different pain points. Mm -hmm. And so it turned out to be this big, messy puzzle of mismatched motivations. And it turned into gridlock for two to three years of haggling wow. and pushback and bleh, until finally she decided to say, okay, I'm going to let the pain do the transformation motivation for me. 
And eventually the pain started becoming a bit too much. And those middle managers started kind of moving out into different roles. And then the second time around, she took a different tack. And when they, you know, Bridget, you've been with us now for a while and you've helped some of these conversations about delivery over the last two to three years. I think it's time for us to start looking at how we can scale our innovation practices. <laughs> and then she bit her lip and she said, mm, mm, mm. when you say scale, what does that mean? Because already she knew what the answer was. She right, knew it right. scaled agility and scaled innovation and some of those, because like all of the, you listening, you do your homework, you read right. the books and all of that. And it was a completely different shape of conversation. Yeah. That for me was one of the more inspiring stories. And when she stopped and waited and let the constituents that she serves, also known as stakeholders, mm -hmm. and let them be the ones to describe what are their motivators and what are their desires, then suddenly now she's being perceived as an enabler. Yes. As an amplifier, as someone who's a part of what we're trying to achieve, as opposed to someone who's ramrodding something down their throats. And as a result, the second transformation went much more smoothly, much more success, earned her a lot more credibility with her boss than the first time around. That makes perfect sense to me, because if I were to sum it all up, she stopped doing change to people and started doing change with people. Right. I mean, that's so how I see that. The minute you started telling me that she was like, all right, you're all going to training. You're all doing this. I was like, uh oh, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> you know, this is, and I knew exactly how it was going to end. And I've never heard the story. Right. Because the problem is that when we get so focused on, OK, we know the medicine you need to take and we know what's best for you and anything yep. that even feels like that what happens, but people immediately resist as opposed to, to your point earlier, she asked why and peeled back the layers and didn't just stop with, okay, this is what you said you want. Because when somebody says, okay, this is what I want. That isn't actually necessarily always what they actually want. Right. And if we take them at their word in that first conversation, we might go in a completely different direction than yeah. if we take the time to peel back the layers, ask the right questions, keep probing, listen instead of talk. I think that's a really important story to share. I'm inspired by your phrase, not doing change to people, but doing yeah. change with people. And, and what's coming to my mind is the book by William Bridges. Mm. managing transitions. And so he says, he recommends even not just rethinking, but even renaming the initiative from change yeah. to transition. And so by using a different word, you get the opportunity to define what it means. This is not a change initiative. This is a transition. Well, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're going to have some town hall meetings. We're going to do some discovery sessions and we're going to get your input. And so when people feel like change is happening to them from external yeah. forces as a singular event, right. there's much more friction as opposed right. to this is an ongoing journey right. and we're a part of it. It's, there's much less friction in that way. So I like that phrase, not change happening to people, but with people. Yes. And that, that's for me how I just have to sum it all up. And that's something that 
I thread through my PMO training and implementation program and the coaching that we do is this constant reminder that every step of the process, I mean, Jesse, in each module, we like have a whole section on, okay, what are we doing to bring the change, bring people through the change process with us? How are we making it their idea? How are we involving them? And as Mark, our dear friend, Mark Price Perry likes to say, it's not your PMO to PMO leaders, right? It's not your PMO, right? We've heard him literally yelled at at people in our workshops, right? And it's so true, right? It's yeah. not about PMO leaders owning the PMO. It's about the PMO being that what I call impact engine for the organization and being driven by the people. It's for the people. That's doing it with them, right? So this is something I see with my clients and students, when they come to me, oftentimes the light bulbs start going off, right? They're like, oh, that's why it didn't work when I tried that. Or that's why I had so much headache and frustration. And frankly, Jesse, the reason I know this stuff is because I had to learn some of it the hard way myself, right? Tell me about it. That's how we know. Nothing like getting round up and rounded out and chased out of an office to make you look in the mirror. It's like, hmm, how could I have done that differently? Right, exactly. So that's what I'm always saying is please learn from the mistakes of those of us that have gone before you so that you don't have to have as difficult of a journey, right? But this is something that's very common, right? This is something that happens a lot. And they get real results when they stop doing what everyone else says and instead focus on these few key things and more about the doing change with people, right? So I've seen this so many times, you've seen this so many times. So I'd like to take a step back and ask a more fundamental question. Why do you think that this disconnect happens? So I'm going to use a second principle, a second myth. So the first myth is don't do big bang. Right. Um, instead go for, well, so the one we just talked about was a stop explaining, start listening. And we, we alluded to the other one around big bang change. Oh yeah. And listeners, I want to offer you guys a kind of a provocative term, micro transformation. If you were to take the initiative that you've been given, the change initiative, and turn it into a series of micro changes and micro transformations, small wins are like compound interest. And those small wins build up into a a collection of reinforcing opportunities and reinforcing wins. And so when you and I are thinking about that, you're like, you know what? That sounds like a roadmap. Yeah. That sounds like a change plan. That sounds pretty straightforward. I don't see what the big deal. And so I think the key disconnect, it's a very simple concept, but the disconnect comes when change leaders confuse a big vision with big action. Ah. Because you can have one without the other, right? You can have big change without vision and it's just noise. Right. And it's chaos and it's crazy. And then they're looking at the PMO leader like, what are you doing? Why are you, you're rolling out a template and a methodology? You're rolling out a scorecard? What, nice. Why? And what? And they, you forgot the vision. Likewise, right. you can have a big vision without meaningful action. And so and when your eyes are bigger than your appetite and you try to do all at once, it's confusing two different virtues. A vision and action. And I think the secret to success is having a big vision with small action. And that takes, that's just hard. That takes patience, takes courage. It takes the ability to communicate and inspire and to keep people on the slog for the long haul. And so absolutely we need a big vision. And that's what our sponsors do, our senior leaders do. And we can help them. We can coach them to come up with that vision Mm -hmm. and to communicate and articulate it. But at the same time, if we go too big, too fast, we're going to 
exceed the change tolerance in the organization. We are going to miss tons of opportunities if we go too big, too fast. So I think that's the fundamental disconnect. Big vision does not necessarily mean big action right away. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. And what it makes me think of is that what we're actually doing is putting common sense into common practice, right? Like think about when we ourselves are trying to make any change in our personal lives, right? You can't just say, poof, I'm going to lose 40 pounds. And then all of a sudden, poof, tomorrow it's gone, right? It doesn't work that way. The real world is that change takes time. The real world is, is that if you break it down into one workout at a time, you're going to be far more successful than trying to big bang, do something all at once, right? That's why those fad diets and big pushes tend to fail because they don't allow us time to digest the change that's in front of us and build habits around it. Same thing goes when we're trying to do transformational change in our organization. So to me, that's really interesting. And it sometimes goes against the conventional advice. So why do you think that there's this, what's behind the fact that the conventional advice and actual truths, right? Putting the common sense into common practice seem to be at odds with each other. Why is it that we're getting sometimes some pretty bad advice and then there's all this goodness right in front of us that we're, we tend to ignore? What do you think causes well, that? So I know you, Laura, have uh, a holistic human persona. And if you need to, it can go a little woo-woo. I'm going to invite your readers to join me on a little bit of a woo-woo journey here. I think it's part of the dark side of every persona that we have. So for example, fear as a change leader, if I don't show big wins very quickly, then I'm going to lose my mandate. I'm going to lose my credibility. I might even lose my job. And so patience then requires courage. We mentioned it a little bit, right? but it's courage in the face of my own fear. And maybe also another one is around ego. I was just going to say that. That makes perfect sense. Ego. Right? Ego. Uh -huh. uh, some of us are a little bit more challenged with uh, feelings of inadequacy. Right. We're going to try to overcompensate or maybe even hesitate. And, and so we're going to look for a silver bullet, an easy win mm -hmm. in order to feel a different way. Others are more challenged by arrogance and we need to, we feel tempted rather. And we, yeah. we're challenged by arrogance. We feel tempted to show how smart we are yes. and how, how much head count we have and what our metrics look like. And so I think one of the, it's fundamentally the human challenge. And this is, this, so this gets to some of the stuff that I feel most passionate. And I've been doing a lot of my work on lately around leadership development and leadership yeah. growth. Right. If you are a PMO leader and you have not explored personal leadership development as your religion, right. <laughs> you are missing out because as change leaders, we are leaders and that is spiritual business. Right. And, and so many times we get in our own way because we've got our own baggage. Mm -hmm. There's another phrase I heard earlier. If your change plan is cute and clever, if your catchphrase is cute and clever, if your methodology is cute and clever, then it's probably not going to work. Mm. Simple is the key to success. And yet simple requires a lot of that courage yeah. and a lot of confronting of my own shadow. And for that, you probably need to go find a leadership coach, probably need to go look at a leadership development program, maybe go through a six month cohort with other people that are on that same journey. 
I happen to know Laura runs a very good cohort program to help people do exactly that. Wink, nod. And you're running one too, we were just talking about before. So you're helping people with some of this work as well. Well, so I think that's one of the reasons why you and I high five on so many things and so often is because we see the same patterns just with different dimensions of the world of work. Right. So yeah, I I think that's the the fundamental reason why this keeps pop, why you and I are going to be in business a long time is not because 10 years from now, every PMO is going to be operating as a more modern and efficient version of itself using all the best practices. And now um, your job is done. You can go off and retire in the Caribbean. That's not going to happen because there's this thing called humanity and yeah. a human condition that's going to get in the way. Right. Well, and that's why it's continued work, Jesse. I think you brought up something really important that I keep trying to impress upon the students in my community and the thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of PMO leaders that we engage with. The journey of self-development is, is a journey. It's not a destination. You've got to keep working it. You've got to keep trying. You've got to dig deeper, push harder and accomplish more on an ongoing basis. And that is a really important part of how we are able to serve and show up in the world. And the more you invest in yourself, and this is what I try and help my students understand that because every single one of them, Jesse, I know your coaching students are seeing the same thing. My coaching and PMO implementation program students are seeing the same thing. They are winning at this thing called leadership and delivering on PMOs. They are winning in times of crisis and chaos and COVID. They are winning. They're killing it. And it's because they have invested in themselves to go on this journey. So I think that's super important, regardless of who it is. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be you, Jesse, but find your tribe, find your people, find your coach, your guide, your mentor that can help you grow and push beyond your boundaries, because that's where the real impact comes in. That's where the real result happen. And that is what prepares you for things like transformation work. So Warren Buffett's got a great quote. He says, uh, ultimately, there's one investment that supersedes all others. And this is the billionaire, right? And he only invests in things that yield. uh, And he says, the the one investment that supersedes all other is invest in yourself. Yes. It's just the wisest thing that anybody can do uh, with the devotion of their time, their money, their energy. He even kind of he says, by investing in developing communication skills and writing it in person, you can increase your value by at least 50%. Someday I hope to meet him and say, okay, how'd you get your math on that ROI, Warren? All right. But the, the metaphor still sticks. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, I want to kind of call a spade a spade here on something, right? Because mm-hmm. the things that you're talking about here, I think can apply to any kind of transformation, Right. I mean, we've seen this not just with agile transformations, but with all kinds of big change. Right. And the challenges, the myths and the things that we should be thinking about doing differently. But you specifically connected to agile. So can you talk to me about why that is? Yes, 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 yes. This is about putting common sense into common practice. PMO leaders are change masters. We take current state into future state. Project managers, project leaders take current state into future state. We're change masters. We And we all want to build a stronger organization right. through more productivity, higher morale, more sustainable pace, all of the things that are just like common sense. Right. The reason why the agile word gets so much attention these days is because where project management as a discipline emerged as a discipline. Yeah. The agile word emerged as a revolution. 
Ah. And so whenever you hear the word agile, there's fundamentally an expectation of changing the current state. Yeah. It's not merely about doing whatever you've done, just do it with more hard work. Right. Although I know that some leaders misunderstand that the buzzword to mean is essentially that. Oh, well, do, do everything you're doing, just do it faster with no additional budget and no additional relief on schedule. Yeah, uh, that's what agile. Well, uh, that's okay. So that's the outcome you're going for. Right. <laughs> now let's speed to market. Now let's talk about what it's going to take to get there. Right. So it, I think it's important for people to realize when you're engaged in a conversation about transformation, it really does come back to expectations. So on yeah. the one hand, there's the expectation of, 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 of the destination. Where are we going? Is it more productivity? Is it, is it more sustainable pace, more predictability, faster time to market, better quality? Where are we going? That's the why. And you can do that through a conventional change. You could add car that all day long. You, you could roll out a kind of a centralized methodology in order to do that. You could big bang that if you want to. But when you, as soon as you start doing the word agile there, there's a connotation that we're going to be, we're going to be moving towards that destination differently than we've always done things before. And, and uh, there's usually a couple of, of, themes that pop up. Um, the agile buzzword almost always means that we're going to be doing something more from a customer driven perspective. We're going to be doing things more from a holistic human perspective by empowering teams and improving morale. And we're going to be doing things from a perspective of iterative learning and evolution, as opposed to figuring it all out and then rolling it out. And so those are the connotations of the word. It's a revolution against business as usual. It's a revolution against some of the oppression and the dysfunction and the chaos that you may have seen. And that's all what we all want. I happened to grow up in the project management community at the same time I was growing up in the tech and the agile community. If I wanted to be completely transactional and Machiavellian, I would just say, well, it's, it's, all, it's all common sense. This is just my niche. Mm. Mm. Yes. And there's also definitely some, some words around that. And you could talk about that with lean thinking, right? right. Lean thinking was another revolution against uh, a traditional approach to management, or even the total quality, the TQM, the quality movement was about um, going against some day-to-day practices. So some of these movements, some of these are not about management methodologies, but they're more about religious movements, Right. A revolution, revolutionary movements against the status quo. Right, right. Oh, that's so good. So, so good. Okay. So before we wrap up here though, Jesse, can you, I know we kind of gave people a teaser about it, but I'd like it if we could maybe just tell people what they can expect for your workshop coming up at the PMO Impact Summit, why they should be there, what they should expect. And for those of you that have not registered for the PMO Impact Summit, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's completely free, except for these workshops where we have incentivized you to show up and not just sign up by donating actually a $20 donation to participate in the workshops. And those proceeds are going directly to Project Management for Change, the 501c3 nonprofit that is unleashing the full power and potential of project management to do good in our local and global communities. So uh, Jesse, thank you so much for being a part of that, being one of the very important workshops that we're doing, live hands-on workshops we're doing. Can you tell people what to expect at the workshop? 
transformation victory, overcoming the barriers to a better organization. We're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to, we're going to explore what does it look like when we do this with more intent, yeah. when we do this less clumsily, when we do it without letting our ego get in the way. We're going to uh, have a couple of hours using virtual whiteboards and uh, we're, there's going to be, as we get closer to the date, you're going to start getting a little bit of pre-work and right. some reading. So you come ready to rock with other change leaders who have real challenges and impediments and barriers to making stuff happen. And the intent is that you leave with not just some new concepts, but maybe a handful of action items that you can apply to whatever change you're trying to make happen. Uh, for example, what's a template that I can use to stop explaining and start listening? How do I, mm. what are some powerful questions that I can ask to get to the real intent and the real expectation? Right. Another one is, um, how do I, how do I frame the change narrative? Mm -hmm. How do I frame the narrative in a way where, um, people are excited about the change that we're doing instead of threatened by the change that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, at another plug, the $20 donation to PM for change is a big deal. I've had the uh, opportunity in the past to volunteer at a PM for change event and helped a nonprofit um, helping uh, that that was chartered to support refugees seeking mm -hmm. refugee status. And, and all they really needed was a little bit of project management or simple management right. uh, ideas and structures. And there were a table of us working together. So the work that PM for Change does, Laura, I'm, I'm so um, grateful and impressed with your efforts there and your support. It makes me want to do this workshop because I know the proceeds are going for the right cause. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, the events that Jesse's talking about are called Project Management Day of Service. They were happening in cities in person all around the world, but a lot of us have gone virtual. So now we're hosting virtual Project Management Day of Service events, which makes it so that you can participate in pretty much any of them, which is super cool. Um, I had no idea. So let me awesome? up. Yes, exactly. So it's pretty cool, these events, because all these nonprofits that really just can't afford full-time project managers, but can benefit so tremendously from the, just getting a day of project management time can be literally life-changing for not just tens or hundreds, but thousands of people when these organizations are able to then deliver on their mission critical objectives, right? So whether oh, it's- And by the way, by going to the workshop, you're also going to up your own professional game. Exactly. Exactly. So with all of that said, Jesse, thank you so much for being here for today's session. I think that this has really been eye-opening for our community. And I hope all of you that are listening, definitely sign up for Jesse's workshop ASAP. There will be limited seats. Come on so down. Yeah. So that we can keep it hands-on and give everybody an opportunity to directly interact with Jesse in this hands-on session. So register for that now, register to join the main event for free. And we look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Go connect with Jesse inside the Impact Driver Network uh, web-based and mobile app. And let's get the conversation started. Thank you, Jesse, for being here today. Thank you, Laura. It was a treat as always. Absolutely. All right, Impact Drivers, before I let you go, don't forget that this episode is sponsored by Planisware. Planisware's turnkey solution, Orchestra, helps PMOs drive early to mid-maturity companies to achieve world-class excellence. 
Planisware Enterprise, an advanced PPM suite, accelerates mature enterprises toward data unification to cohesively and strategically develop their project portfolio. Lead the way along with over 500 organizations that trust Planisware. You can learn more at planisware.com. That's planisware.com. Okay, Impact Driver, I look forward to sharing more high-impact insights with you in the next episode. Make sure you download these podcast episodes and hit subscribe so that you don't miss anything, no matter where your high-impact journey takes you. Bye-bye for now.